who's a, like, let's start with this category. Who is a early, like, packer? If you're traveling, you pack early. Like four, five people. What's early? Like, okay, let's say early is a week. You pack a week in advance. The Australian grandparents are in town, and my father, he will definitely pack uh, a week in advance. Who are those that are more kind of enlightened by the need of time to be short in order for you to make good decisions? Um, who packs like less than five hours before you leave? They say you lead people like yourself. I genuinely will pack sometimes 45 minutes before I go. No, 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 don't look at me like I'm irresponsible. I've got a system. I know what I need, I know what I don't need, and then if I pack all week, I don't have much, so I'd have to live out of my suitcase. So I just, 45 minutes before, what I do. But I love it, I love traveling, I love Christmas. Uh, for me, this time of year, I don't know about you, but it, I get excited, right? Like even like as if I was a little kid. My kids get excited. In fact, one of my kids, I won't say who, but um, I was disciplining them. Um, happens a lot in my house. They say they often take after their mother, but they didn't. Um, they took after me, so there's a lot of discipline in the house. And I remember I was saying to one, hey, if you keep this up, you're not gonna get any presents. And in no like real attitude, just a, a moment of revelation hit this child. And they said, oh, that's okay. I was like, what do you, what do you mean that's okay? My tactic is failing right now. And they just said, well, you know, Nona and Bapa are in town and they're going to get me heaps of gifts. I was like, that's true. And I don't know how to even argue with that kind of logic. So if you come around our house, everyone's excited. Everyone's excited for a lot of stuff. But here's where I find myself. I don't know about you, but in moments when I should be excited, uh, I start to get like this, I forgot something feeling. You know, like you're about to go on a trip and you're like, I forgot something, not because I pack early. Don't start judging. Don't start judging. Don't start judging. This is the church. We don't judge right now. But when it comes to New Year's, when it comes to like Christmas, I just, I'm excited. But then at the same time, I get these moments, almost like a punch in the gut, like just kind of like, ah, oh, something's missing. Anyone else? Something's missing. I don't know what it is. And here's when it really hits me. It typically hits me the day after Christmas or the moment after New Year's. I think it hits me. I don't know why, but I just feel, and this is what I think it is. I put so much expectancy on this one moment to hold so much that I think off the back of it, it just never meets up, right? Anyone ever go to, like, come on, New Year's? New Year's? You always got plans. You're all, like, this is the one. We're gonna, this is the one. And then you're left like, maybe it's the next one. So I thought this as I was prepping for Christmas and I was thinking about the time of year and my family and my life. I thought, um, what if uh, we thought of God this way? What if we realized that um, maybe something about life, we were made to have expectancy. Like you and I, we showed up and the world tells us we should dream, we should believe for great marriages, we should believe for perfect moments. Like it tells us it's an American dream. There's, a, there's a something to run for. And then all of a sudden, if you're like me, you find yourself at every moment of life still feeling like something's missing. Titles aren't enough. Finance is fun, but once you buy the thing, it seems to not be enough. So let me ask you this. What if God's not real? Like, not that he's not real. You know how we often think that? Like, God's probably not real. What if it's not that? 
What if God is absolutely real, but the difference is he's just missing? Now, God doesn't get lost, you know what I mean? He didn't create the world, and he's like, well, I don't know where to go next. No, no, um, we don't include him. We include everything before we get to Jesus quite often, don't we? Let me include this goal. Let me include this relationship. Let me include this title. Let me include this right here. Let me include all of this. And still, he's missing. But what we often make the mistake of of doing is simply pretending or thinking that God's not real. I'm a pastor and I hear it all the time. People are often like, I don't think God is real. And their biggest case, like if this was like an episode of Suits, got to stay relevant. Our case for Jesus not being real is that, oh, there's been some dark days. My life hasn't been perfect. We make the case that if he's such a loving God, such a good God, then why have there bad things? Why have I felt the pain I felt? If he loves me, then where was he? We take his absence as evidence that he doesn't exist. But the truth is, what if his absence or seeming absence is a gift? I think when I first started this church, when I was younger, uh, you know, I was, what, I was like eight when I started. Um, so I'm like 20-something now. But um, you know how you know you're old? That joke actually makes people laugh. Because people are like, oh, I see what you're doing. You're not. <laughs> well done. So thank you. That hurt. Your, your joy hurt me. But I remember I just wanted everything to work out. And I wanted everything to be perfect. I wanted everything to confirm what I heard from God. If God said we're going to build a church and the church is going to be open, everyone's going to come, everyone's going to think Chris is awesome and God is real and we're going to worship, it's going to be great. And then no one came and it didn't feel awesome. And I started to learn that sometimes there is a gift in contrast. That realizing that things didn't work from the beginning were things that God needed me to include. Hey, Chris, I need you to include a different way to build I need you to include me, not just tactics. I need you to think about what's missing. And what if one of the greatest gifts that entered was the enemy's greatest strategy? The devil thought he had us beat the minute that Adam and Eve diverted from the plan. The minute that evil came into the world, he had us. The beauty of evil is it created created a contrast that points us back to God. As long, hold on, there's a caveat to it as long as you and I don't get it twisted. If God created everything, surely then he created, the, he created evil. No, what if evil's just the lack of God's presence? When God's not involved in a moment, everything falls apart. When God's not involved in a moment, life just doesn't move. God's presence changes everything. It changes us, it changes circumstances. We wouldn't argue that darkness doesn't exist, but darkness cannot really be measured. It's the lack of light. The only reason you and I experience darkness is because somebody turned off the light. Somebody got light out of the equation, and now there is darkness. But you can't keep turning darkness up. You can't sit there and and turn up the cold, because Chicago did it. Chicago just said, you know what? I, I questioned where the hell was hot. After I experienced extreme cold, I was like, I don't know. Theologically, I have a debate here. I remember coming off the plane, Ords is like, babe, this is a different environment. I was like, please, I'm from Australia. We navigate poison on the daily. Sure, a little cold's not gonna hurt. I got two hoodies. 
I quickly realized two hoodies ain't going to cut it. Um, it's more like a thousand. But Chicago is just a season that we can all testify to. We'd never say heat doesn't exist just because it's not present in the winter. So I don't think it's fair for you and I to be ripped off by a lie that I think the devil's propagated because he is real and he wants to take you down. And you might go, why, what have I done? I'll tell you what you've done. The Bible says we were made in the image of God. And I know this, that if somebody is just evil enough, if they are bitter enough and they can't get to the father, they'll go to the son. They'll go to the daughter. Why? Because the one thing you could get to is what he loves most. I'm gonna tell you right now that despite what you've been through, God still loves you and he loves you more than you realize. The absence of what you've wanted is not evidence that he's not with you or that he doesn't want you. The difference is this. A relationship is not meaningful if it's forceful. Gone are the caveman days, you know. You shall be my wife. Probably not shall. Be my wife. You, wife. Probably that's it. It's my best I could do. I don't have much of a reference. But if you were forced, if you had another option, would it be real? I believe that God wins over our heart. Theologically, I don't believe I could search for him if he didn't look for me first. I think there's limits to my will sometimes and I think I'm thankful that my God loves me enough to knock on the door of my heart in the midst of a world that only points back to him. I'm thankful that I went through what I went through. I'm thankful that I lost my mind years ago. I'm thankful that I've been through sickness. I'll tell you why I didn't, he didn't orchestrate it. He didn't bring it my way. But I'll tell you what, if everything in this world makes me realize that I need water, then I'm thankful for salt. I'm thankful for thirst. I'm thankful for heat. So let's spin it for a second. Let me ask you the greatest what if you'll ever be asked forever and it is simply this what if you've got it wrong what if you're bent out of shape because life has been real it's all I mean life's gonna life but what if it's not that God doesn't love you what if it's not that he's not real what if God has been waiting for this oh, it sounds cheesy but it's like a romance story he knocks on the door of your heart hoping think heaven has bated breath that you might choose him yeah, but I don't have evidence. You don't have evidence for a lot of things you believe in. You can't tell me that you could point out your loneliness or you could point out your angst or you can point out your pain. You can't see that, but you know it. It renders you useless. Maybe the space that you feel deepest is a space that indicates where you were created from. The unseen to the seen. We wouldn't argue about light, darkness, cold and heat. I don't think we should argue about God either. What I think we should do is learn a little something from this verse that kind of put this whole presentation, the Sunday experience around it. The idea that God has been present even when you and I weren't. From creation through to the fall, through to the now, through to beyond, the one who is, who was, and is to come. And I want to read you a moment where the Bible just gives humanity in written form a notice. The, the Bible right now is about to put depression on notice. The Bible's about to put pain on notice. The Bible's about to put loneliness on notice. The Bible's about to put evil on notice. The Bible's going to put angst on notice. The Bible's going to put those who have been through so much and feel like they're not loved. I'll tell you right now, it's going to put them on notice. Because all of a sudden we get an understanding that God was always in control and had a plan. Let's read it quickly. It says this. 
Isaiah 9, 6. For thus, for to us a child is born. To us, to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why is that good news? That's what the Bible calls the gospel, good news. Uh, Because that sounds like every antidote that humanity has tried to reach by way of title, by way of money, by way of affirmation and accolades and achievement and alcohol and drugs and sex and everything else. But yet, just like I feel at Christmas, we're left thinking, what if something's missing? It doesn't feel like I've arrived yet. It doesn't feel like what I was doing. You could be distracted by time. You could be distracted by a relationship. You could be distracted by many things. But when those things come to an end, what you're left with is what is actually substantial. So, for us, a child is born. God sent Jesus. And it says this powerful phrase, the government rested on his shoulders. Can I just theorize here how awesome it would be if there was a hotline you could call like you know how like in Chicago if you don't get a permit um, you can call and you never get through no not a good example Um, how I tell you this about Chicago you know someone that permit moves but you just can't be saying you know someone right I can't show up to the city of Chicago like yeah Terry Terry said it's time for my my permit who's Terry he's very high up No, but if I mention the name of an alderman, or if I mention the name of someone who has this word called uh, authority, all of a sudden, it's funny how my permit moves. I I, I use this analogy because I think for the longest time, I felt like I was submitting permits to life. Hey, when's this pain gonna stop? Hey, when's the loneliness gonna stop? When am I gonna fulfill my purpose? When am I gonna feel like I belong on this earth? When is love gonna be enough? Felt like my permits were stuck until I realized that there was one cent. And it said this, the government was on his shoulders, meaning Jesus was born with authority. There's a story in the Bible where he calms the wind, he calms the waves. And what I love about it is this, if God can show us that his son can calm elements, there's something to that. Sometimes it's not your context, it's not you, it's the elements around you that have got you in a spin. You wouldn't be able to point to it. People would, in fact, I'd say in this room, there'd be people going to work every single day and you're really struggling. Christmas, you're struggling. New Year, struggling. You're in a personal storm that no one would know about. Or what we can learn from that Bible verse is as God controlled the uncontrollable, somewhat the unseen in the wind, He can also control the storm that you're in. Because for us, on His shoulders, comes wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. So let me say this as I close. I don't have time to preach a message, but I wanted to at least give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And what does that mean? It means this, that um, that what if I threw out, that analogy of the permits is actually not a what if, it's actually a reality. You and me were made by God for a God-shaped plan. And what I have seen in my life, and the Bible would show all of us, as you and I are aligned with that God-shaped plan. He's not a genie. He's not trying to make your dream become a reality. He's actually helping you bring to the reality that 
God made you to fall into God's plan. And when you do, all of a sudden, everything comes into alignment. And guess what? He doesn't need you to perform before you actually transform. What he does is he brings peace. He brings breakthrough. He brings joy. And he brings it to people that do not deserve it because none of us do. People church is not filled with good people. It's filled with people who know that and therefore depend on Jesus. So I want to put this to you. When I said God makes appointments, not coincidences, today you walked in and the greatest thing that is on offer that I could ever give you is the opportunity to say yes to a God who wants to move your permit for a better life into reality. And all you gotta do is say yes. I've never been to a Christmas where you give someone an awesome gift and they're like, how much? No, really, how much? We pretend, we do a bit of this, oh, really, you, should, you shouldn't have. I mean, I can't take it. Oh, no, don't, don't touch it. I am going to take it. That's how you and I need to be in this moment. I'm not promising you as a pastor that you're going to walk out of this building, everything's going to be amazing, you're a millionaire. No, what I will promise you is, is what I have experienced myself and countless others throughout history. It is this, that when you say yes to Jesus, Jesus goes to work. When you put your hand up to a God that's been knocking on your heart, He's basically looking and all of heaven is looking, looking at the fight you're in saying, tap me in, tap me in, let me go to work. Let me go to work in your soul. I will fill it so you don't get full on things that don't. Let me go to work. I'll work in the circumstances around you. Let me go to work. I'll clean up your past. Let me go to work. I'll meet you because I've already prepared your future. If you're sitting here, you go, man, Chris, that sounds good to me. Well, you know why? Yeah, because it is. And it is good because it was made for you. For us, he was sent. So I want us to stand to our feet. And we're going to close out. i never forget this. At 14, I walked into a church environment like this. And... Um, I was pretty convinced that church was a good insurance policy. Jesus was an insurance policy. I basically thought, let me go to all the clubs with all the shiny shirts. I had a bit of a problem. I was very into a shiny shirt. Loved a good shiny shirt. I felt, I thought it was a little bit like fishing. You know what I mean? You have a lure go through the water with some, and it glistened. I thought, let me walk through a crowd with some shimmy and the women will part and uh... it's funny because you're like huh he's funny I was like no at 18 I was like this is a strategy so I thought I thought this I thought I want to get to heaven but I've never seen Jesus preached with any merit on earth I want to get to heaven but I don't see his place here on earth until someone got up there and said, you need to stop using God as an insurance policy. And you must realize that whilst there are things that he will correct and things he will shift, and his grace is so infinite that he'll wait, he's patient. But make no mistake that God has plans for you on earth to prosper, plans for you to have peace, plans for you to have joy. And I can promise you this, that unseen world, that very felt weight on your shoulders when you go into the unseen or into the next week or into today or as you walk out of this building, I promise you this, that is a weight that my God can carry. And He will give you courage and He will give you boldness and He will give you joy. And I promise you that if you look down at your years like I have, it'll wind upwards. 
So I'm going to ask you, do you want to say yes to Jesus? And like any good gift, you've got to receive it. And the way you receive it, he's going to show your hands. And your hands indicate this simple phrase that the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ died and rose again, you are saved. as I finish before I ask you then what if what if God's real he's just been missing and what God's been missing is your yes your invitation hundreds of people make these decisions in our church like by the tens on weekends so we're going to cheer you on don't get weirded out by it I'm not going to bring you down the front. I'm not going to spook you. I'm not going to bring you down the front. But what I am going to do is you're going to slip your hand up and I'm going to know you're like me. That day we decided freedom. And I'm going to thank you for that hand. You can slip it back down and I'm just going to pray for you. And it will mark the rest of your life with courage and boldness and just an absolute breakthrough. If that is you in this room, front to back, left to right, like me, we're going to include Jesus into the rest of our life. If that is you on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, all over the place. Throw them up, throw them up. Come on, thank you, 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 thank you. Hands going up all over this building. People say another one over there, another one over there, another one back there. Come on, church. Come on. I'm gonna give you a few more seconds. I just feel like God's just moving on some hearts. Raise it high, I'll see it if that's you. I'm just gonna pray for you before I close. Come on, come on. This is what we will spend the rest of our life doing in all shapes, in all forms, is getting people to that moment, amen? All right, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray a prayer, okay? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. When you give something a bit of expression, it changes everything. You're gonna give God his invitation in and you're gonna give the devil his marching orders out. So all over this place, if you raise your hand, even if you didn't, but you wish you did, I want you to repeat after me. And I'll lead you in the prayer and everyone will pray it with you because we leave no man or woman standing alone in this place. Are you ready? Okay, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you in my heart as my Lord and Savior, I thank you. You forgive me of all my sin. I have a hope, a future, and a destiny through a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.